Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Creation Podcast, the show where we discuss the science that confirms scripture. I'm your host, Trey, and my guest today is ICR's president, Dr. Randy Galuza. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you on here. And uh, of course, we've mentioned that I'm probably going to call you Dr. G. Uh, that's what we call you around here. So, uh, But today we're going to talk about a, a topic that... Um, Honestly, I know very little about, uh, I mean, I have a broad understanding of it, but it's something that I, at very least in the circles that I know, they call it a miracle. Um, and there are probably some insights that you as a medical doctor can bring to this process. So let's talk about pregnancy and let's start from the beginning. Fertilization. That seems like a really complex thing. How does, how does that work? Well, that's a, actually a really, really complex process. And this whole topic that you talked about in pregnancy or even human reproduction is a great topic if we're going to talk about evolution versus creation, mm. because we're going to talk about it here for the next few minutes from an engineering perspective, okay. a medical perspective, but I'm also an engineer, and so I want to look at this whole idea of pregnancy or human reproduction from an engineering perspective. So those who are listening here... You're going to have to broaden your thinking a little bit, and we're going to talk about some things of how an engineer would have to make them in order for them to work. The cool thing about human reproduction is everybody kind of knows the basics on it, so right. you don't have to replow a lot of science. They kind of know where how things are working because they've had biology in high school and the like. And second, everybody's interested in it. Right. You just you just say it and they just like, oh, oh, I want to listen. I want to hear about this. It's just a topic that everybody just clues into really, really well. And so it picks up actually before fertilization. Okay. In order to get fertilization, you have to have an egg and you have to have a sperm. And these are specialized cells. They're not like any other cell in your body. And they start out as stem cells. And you go way back to the time that a little girl is developing in her, her own mom's womb, and that's where those eggs are made. They start out as these stem cells. And I was taught in med school that a girl is, bought, is born with all the eggs that she'll ever have. But that may not be true. That little dogma that I was taught, there seems to be some clues that it may not be totally true. But let's just assume it is. So hmm. the eggs in the ovary are there, and one every month will be, uh, what I was taught in med school is it's called ripen. It'll ripen and it'll be ovulated and it will start its way towards the uterus. It'll be swept into the fallopian tubes and there it goes. It's making its way towards the uterus. And then if pregnancy is going to take place, fertilization must happen and it must meet a sperm cell along the way. Those also start as stem cells but they're produced continuously in men. And men will produce anywhere from 300 to 500 million a day. Not three to five million, three to 500 million. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot per day. And they're always in a process of development. They start out as a round stem cell, and over a period of about 70 days, it goes through a process where it loses a lot of weight, it reorganizes itself in structure, and it changes to a cell which can actually swim and move around. And then at fertilization, assuming that intercourse has happened, they're deposited in those swimming cells through a very complicated way, make their way up to the uterus. There are some barriers inside a female body to keep uh, microbes out. 
and those barriers are overcome by seminal fluids and by features on the sperm themselves, which enable them to make it through these barriers, which would normally block a microbe from getting in. Right. And they eventually find their way into the uterus. While there, many of them are attacked by white blood cells in, inside the uterus. If it weren't for the fact that seminal fluids can suppress locally the female immune system, probably all of them would be destroyed. But some make it through. In fact, it's estimated that as few as 500 to 1,000 out of 20 to 40 million which are deposited make their way to actually find an egg. Wow. That's and a big discrepancy That's there. a huge, that's a huge discrepancy that shows how efficient um, these blocks are in the female system mm -hmm. to keep microbes out. And of course, a sperm cell is just a microscopic cell. If the egg is present, and if the sperm are present, then fertilization can take place. And fertilization is, becomes the very first cell of a brand new human being. Mm. Not mom, not dad, not genetically identical to either one of them, but a combination of both. And at the moment of fertilization, um, that's when the first person begins, and it begins with the fusion of the sperm cell with the egg cell. And they just don't just bump into each other and join. There's like a little lock and key mechanism There's that the sperm and the egg will recognize each other. And when they are recognized, then the membranes will fuse. Tiny little filaments inside the egg will reach out. They'll pull the nucleus of the sperm in, which has dad's genetic material. Those chromosomes will line up with each other. And when they do, that's when the new person starts at that moment of fertilization. Wow. And then from that point on, that, that single cell will begin to divide and divide and divide, and eventually it'll float in and make its way inside the uterus, and it will implant. So that's like the next part of the story. Right. Wow, that's uh, way more complex than I ever imagined it to be. Yeah, down to the lock and key. Uh, there's so many small things that have to go right for that to happen, uh, even in those early stages. All right, so then implantation occurs and the child grows within the mother. How does how exactly does does that happen? I mean, because now you have this this new living being inside another living being. That seems like that would be kind of incompatible. Yes, that's what's so incredible about this is that you have a system which allows one person to live inside another person. Mm -hmm not just get along, but I mean thrive and develop. Right. And everything I even described up to this point on fertilization is actually much more complicated than I even said. In fact, you could go to our website, whoever right. is listening, icr.org, and we have papers on human pregnancy and development that give a lot more details than we're able to cover in just these 20 minutes or so that we have right now. And there's a whole lot of modulation of mom's immune system right from the moment of fertilization. And in fact, before, in order for those sperm cells to get in, there's modulation all the way. Right. Because once that egg is fertilized, it's a new human being and it's distinct. So mom's immune system should, and it could, should and could destroy it very easily. It's a single cell, bang, it's gone. But from the moment of fertilization, the immune system is modulated. 
so that implantation can occur. And even during implantation, mom's immune system is completely modulated as well so that for the nine months of gestation, mom's body does not reject that. And that new developing um, fetal tissues, which are the placenta and the baby, don't overrun mom's body as well. So implantation is really the beginning of development. And at the site of implantation, baby's going to develop, but there's another vital structure that's developing there, which is the placenta. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be made up of tissue from baby and from mom. That's really important from an engineering perspective. You're probably wondering, why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why is that? And how? How? <laughs> how is that there? Well, Trey, you already mentioned that you have a one person living inside another person. Right. That's quite remarkable. And I mentioned on one of these other podcasts that from an engineering perspective, you just can't force two independent entities to work together. Mm-hmm. You can't just take one and just say, okay, I want you to work with this other. From an engineering perspective, you must join them with an interface. And an interface is a structure which has features of one and features of the other and a common medium which can connect them together. And there's also like rules and regulations in an interface which govern the relationship. That's what the placenta does. Okay. It connects baby with mom. It's a structure. It's a real structure. And it's really operating like an interface. It has tissue from baby. It has tissue from mom. And it allows these to be joined together and work together. And placenta is actually like operating like baby's lungs, baby's kidneys, all these little functions inside baby that it can't do. The placenta is doing that. Mm. And the placenta allows a baby to grow uninhibited because it's, it is actually taking the building blocks from mom's body. And this is, we could just even pause here for a second to clarify something. Most people think that mom is building the baby inside of her. Mom's got the bun in the oven and she's building something. That's not true at all. Mom's body is not building baby at all. Baby is building itself. And mom is providing the building materials. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mom eats. Mom takes in nutrition. Her body digests it and it goes through her bloodstream. And it is transferred across the placenta. Building materials. Baby takes up building materials. And from an engineering standpoint, this is the second phenomenal thing. Not only do you have an interface there, but you have a self-constructing, self-assembling entity from a single cell that is going to build itself up from all the building materials that mom is going to supply. There's nothing that man can do to, like, replicate something like that. That's, That's crazy. That's wild. Right. That's right. It would... Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say it was, it, it's impossible. Conceivably, humans can build us. We could we could construct a self-constructing thing right. on that. But just imagine the engineering that it would take, and the and the information and the planning and the program it would take to build a self-assembling thing with an endpoint in mind. Mm-hmm. Baby isn't just going off on a tangent. There's a start and there's a finish. There's an endpoint in mind of what baby's going to do. And when the endpoint in mind happens, that's when it's time to deliver there. So baby is self-assembling inside mom's body, pulling in all of these building materials, at the same time modulating mom's immune system. Right. But 
using her body to help off help offload gases that the baby doesn't need, carbon dioxide, to bring in the gases that baby needs, the oxygen, to offload waste materials that cross, cross the placenta and go out into mom's body and she eliminates them on all of this. It's you, the two are working together in such tight harmony that you have just two incredibly designed systems which nobody has come up with an explanation, none, nowhere in the scientific literature. And so this is a challenge to anybody who's listening out there. If you mm -hmm. have an explanation for how this happened by numerous successive slight modifications, send it to ICR. I'd like to see it. But we, we keep current on this literature, and mm -hmm. nobody has come up with an explanation of how these systems would ever develop through trial and error, hit and miss, hope to get it right. Why? Because if you don't get it right the first time, there's no, there's no more people. There's no uh, more that's, people. That's what I was thinking when you're explaining this is like, it's such a complex thing, but it also is like one of the most commonplace things. Like everyone who is alive was born. So they experienced this. It is a requirement to be a human being or to be pretty much a living creature in general. But specifically when it comes to, to humans, like, Everyone here was born, and to think that we all went through this process that is so complex, I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. It is absolutely mind-boggling, and you don't get a second chance to get it right. Right. So from an evolutionary standpoint, you end up having to have something that can be self-assembling and reproductive right from the beginning, and that sounds an awful lot like a miracle for something to show up that way because you don't get it through trial and error unless you can reproduce right from the beginning. There's right. no second chance. I would say that it's a miracle. I mean, I would also say this, this definitely, uh, this definitely points to a designer, someone who, who knows the needs of both mother and child during, during all of this and designed it so perfectly well for, for both systems, uh, people, but systems to, to, to exist in that way for the, period of pregnancy. Exactly. So when you look at it from an engineering perspective, it's remarkable. You And only an engineer can build these systems where you have a, the product of something that is absolutely necessary to feed back into the system to make itself. An engineer can set something like that up, but through numerous successive slight modifications, it doesn't, and it just can't happen unless you just believe in absolute luck. Right. But engineers can put these systems in place that need each other to function properly. And that's what we see in this human reproduction that goes through development. And it would be like a whole separate program to even talk about what happens as baby develops up to the moment where baby needs to be born, mm. where you're going to have one person living inside another person. And suddenly that person is going to go from living in a water world inside a mom to living in an air world outside of mom. And that is an episode in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'd love to, we'd love to do an episode on that at some point. Uh, do you have any, uh, when it comes to the pregnancy process, you know, those, those nine months that, uh, do you have any other closing thoughts, anything else that you want to touch on? Well, I think the Lord gave us th these these systems and reproduction, whether it's just human reproduction or we just love to see anything reproduce. We mm -hmm. love to see our dogs and cats. We just love to see new life. Yeah, He gave us these systems not just to 
a marvel at how wonderful they are and how how joyful it is to have this new life. But from a from a scientific standpoint, they are strong evidences that we have a creator, and that creator is the Lord Jesus. And they are not just strong evidences that he exists, but the Bible says the heavens declare, or even the creation declares, his glory, mm-hmm. not just his mere existence, his glory. So what we're actually seeing with these systems are manifestations of the genius and wisdom of that great engineer. And those are traits that any engineer, human or otherwise, uh, would wants to demonstrate, that we have expertise in what we're going to build, and we know how to solve multiple problems well, and that's wisdom. And the human reproductive system, in fact, any system in our body, demonstrates that abundantly. So when we are looking at these systems, they are telling us that our Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, is incredibly intelligent, mind-bogglingly intelligent, and He is absolutely wise. And then, of course, the fact that He lets us have children and offspring and enjoy, for myself, even grandchildren, He's incredibly loving. Absolutely. And the fact that when it comes to humans, that it's it's the reproduction of, of people made in God's image just makes it that much more powerful. Right. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us and, and all of the expertise that you've gained over the years. And uh, we, we definitely appreciate having you on the show. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. And to all of our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We're so glad that you could join us. Make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends and family. You can, of course, find this podcast on YouTube or wherever else you get your podcasts. And I'm your host, Trey, and we'll see you next time on The Creation Podcast.